Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, another edition of the Penn State Blitz podcast. Greg Pickle to my right. I'm Bob Flounders. Greg, it's finally come Ohio State week. A lot to get to. Two top 10 teams. Is the talent really equal going into this game? We're going to talk about the quarterbacks, Justin Fields and Sean Clifford, and how they're linked, maybe forever. Right. I don't know. And we're going to talk a little bit about Pat Fryermuth's future. He's a second-year tight end, but there's some news on that front as far as his future. And then we're going to get to the Penn State mailbag. Okay, Greg, it's finally here. Penn State, Ohio State week. Ryan Day had his press conference. James Franklin had his press conference Ohio State's unbeaten. Penn State's only got one loss. The spread is 18, and it might climb. During Ryan Day's press conference, he said this is the first time, really, I'm paraphrasing, that talent's been equal for Ohio State. He feels like they've been more talented than all the teams that they face. He doesn't think that's the case against James Franklin's Nittany Lions. I'm not sure I agree with that. How do you feel about that? Yeah, statement? happy Ohio State week to you, Bob. Um, I did find it interesting, when for, just to talk about the point spread for one more second, that Ohio State was a 17-point favorite against Cincinnati earlier this year, right. and now it's a 17- or 18-point favorite against Penn State. I don't know if that's bookmakers maybe not being as high on the Lions as some other people are, or if that's just a belief that, as James Franklin keeps saying— Ohio State is one of the best teams he's ever watched on film since his time. I believe he's referring to being a head coach or maybe at Penn State. I'm not sure which. Mm-hmm. Either way, I don't think there's any way to argue with the fact that this is a team that could ultimately be talked about as one of the best, you know, of this decade, of this, you know, since the turn of the century. It has playmakers no matter where you try and right. stop it. Penn State does not have that. So is the talent equal on some levels? Yeah, I think so. But, you know, you do the matchups each right. week, and there's not a lot of spots where Penn State can claim an advantage. Right. And so, you know, you look at this game, and yes, Ohio State will be tested, I think, more than any other team it's faced this year, just because looking at some of the opponents, that, that, you know, they, some teams that are pretty good, they just steamrolled. But as it turns out, you know, this is just a really good team. No one's been within 24 points of it so far this year. Does Penn State change that on Saturday? I think it comes down to there's gaps, obviously, where Penn State's talent is a rung or two lower than Ohio State's. But as we know, any Saturday, you can even that just for a day. And can Penn State do that? They have some really former, highly regarded recruits. They have some guys like Noah Kane and KJ Hamler who are, I think, obviously guys who could start at Ohio State. But will they both be 100% ready to go? We'll have to wait and see. So. It's not a talent-equated game across the board, but it can be for this one Saturday. Nice job of filibustering, number one. A couple of points. You're a betting savant. The line opened at 17. It did not come down. It went up. That tells me that the public kind of agrees with the opening line. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Started at 17, went to 18 and a half, dropped back down to 17 and a half. To me, it's going to get to 17 before it gets to 20 or 21. But yeah, I think people look at Penn State's secondary the last few games and just think, Wow, if Minnesota and Indiana did that to Penn State, what is Justin Fields, J.K. Dobbins, K.J. Hill, what are these guys going to do 
to Penn State secondary if Indiana and Minnesota did that. Yeah, that's a big thing for me, the way that they've played the last two games. I didn't think the pass defense has been very good at all the last two weeks. I think you can make an argument it hasn't been good all year, going yeah, back to Pitt. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they faced a little bit better quarterback yeah. in the Minnesota quarterback. The Indiana quarterback, even and not not even really their best quarterback, He Peyton Ramsey was kind of beaten out by the freshman. The freshman was hurt. Mm-hmm. That was a very close game. He threw for 371. I think that gave a lot of people pause. The other thing is, you know, Chase Young is back. I don't know what you would equate his value to the Ohio State team, but if you put him in the game, that's worth a couple of points for sure to the Ohio State defense. We're going to find out how good Penn State can really be. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if the toll of the October and November schedule has starting to take a little bit yeah. of effect on Penn State. You got to go to Iowa. You got to play a Michigan team that's clearly improved. And they beat them. You know, they got Michigan State at the right time. But Minnesota's a good team. And even Indiana's improved. Have to play them all and a couple of them on the road. You know, I would say this, Greg. I don't know when I see them the last two weeks, and you might disagree, they don't look quite as fast as they were at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the year, especially on defense. The other thing is there's been a a couple of people, their health is in question, Noah Kay and KJ Hamler. Mm -hmm. There's been a couple other people on offense. I don't know that they've really developed. I think the offensive line has maybe developed the best. Yeah. Some of the young running backs have developed. A couple of receivers needed to step up from the way they began the year, and I don't think that's been the case. No. Dan Tashena is now starting. Right. Justin Shorter is not starting. I think that also has an impact on this offense. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you were expecting Shorter, or if not Shorter, Daniel George right. to be the guy that at this point of the season would be in that starting role. To have Dan- nothing against Dan Tashena, but he didn't go run track for a while and yeah. then come back to football for no reason. I mean, it just... Yeah, he's really fast, but as the the drop at Minnesota shows, you know, he's not probably a guy you'd prefer. You'd right. prefer to have him almost like Penn State uses Jason Oway, like a situational pass rusher. Yeah. You'd prefer to have him as a situational guy you can run deep every now and again, but not starting, certainly. So, yeah, and then, yeah, in terms of the speed, I do think that we've heard James Franklin talk a lot about the stretch that they had. And it's not just because of trying to promote, you know, them for better bowls or whatever. Mm-hmm. It is a fair point that – you know, when they've played Ohio State in past years, they've had not easy schedules leading up to it, but you'd have to go back a ways to find a game. You were talking about with Neil Rudell earlier this week from the Altoona Mirror that you have to go back a ways to find when these two teams played this late in the season last. Yeah. And Penn State has certainly had the more brutal and more physical schedule leading up to this game than Ohio State has. Absolutely. Let's move on to the quarterbacks. Penn State's Sean Clifford, uh, Ohio State's Justin Fields, a former Penn State verbal, and at the time, a lot of people thought he might have been the top quarterback prospect in the country. Before we talk about both of them, I think we got to touch upon what Sean Clifford said this week about after the Minnesota game, which he he didn't have his best day through three interceptions. They weren't all his fault. They lose the game Mm 31-26. He throws the interception late in the game that seals Penn State's fate. Um, He disclosed earlier this week he got a lot of nasty commentary on social media I think, after that game. And he mentioned death threats. Right. Um, It's a serious matter. I know a lot of Penn State fans know about this already as we talk about it. My question, though, I think the point I'm trying to make is how distracting is it going to be for Sean Clifford this week to have to deal with this? Because when the Fox telecast comes on at noon, you know they're going to talk about it. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it was going across the ESPN bottom line earlier in the week, too, which caught me off guard a little bit. I was watching Maction, like I tend to do on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Betting Savant. I said betting Savant for a reason. And I saw that pop across the bottom line. And yeah, it's. I don't envision it being a distraction for Penn State, but it's certainly not something you thought we'd be talking about. Yeah. 
at this point in time. And sad we do have to talk about it. Penn State police today acknowledged that they were aware of what was going on. James Franklin said on ESPN radio earlier this week that, you know, it's just it's a point we're at a point in society where social media is driving a lot of this stuff and no one has an answer about how to stop it. Yeah. And he said, you know what, we're nine and one. And you look at you look at some of the commentary on social media and you would never you know would that never we're nine that. and one. Right. And, I, and I think that's probably a pretty valid point as well. But as far as Clifford and Fields, I kind of you kind of almost have to say they're going to be linked just because of the fact that, you know, had Justin Fields not decommitted from Penn State, then he went to Georgia didn't work out at Georgia, he comes to Ohio State. There was a scenario in which he would have been a Penn State Nittany Lion, and if he's a Penn State Nittany Lion, I don't think Sean Clifford is the starting quarterback. Um, Sean Clifford is from Ohio, so this game means a lot to him. And also James Franklin, who doesn't usually talk about recruits that he does not, he's not able to land, was asked about fields and if, whether or not it bothers him or it kind of hurts to kind of lose out on a kid when you think you have him. And he said, yeah, it does. It's a year-round commitment to recruiting. You know, and when when you, you feel good about a recruit and you develop a relationship on a recruit and you spent all this time to kind of get him in Penn State's crosshairs, when he doesn't end up going to Penn State, he said it hurts. Was that a little bit refreshingly candid for you to hear that from Franklin? It was. And part of me just wonders, I was thinking about this recently, but I think it might hurt more because James Franklin did everything with his staff to make sure Justin Fields stuck with Penn State. Yeah. And then if you read the story from Cleveland.com, it seems pretty clear that it wasn't James Franklin's yeah. fault that Justin Fields decommitted. It wasn't a fault of, you know, of, you know, moving on. It was just the fact that they liked Joe Moorhead a lot. Former Joe, Joe Moorhead left for Mississippi State. Obviously, Justin Fields wasn't going to follow him to Mississippi State. Yeah. But they were worried about what kind of, um, you know, what would happen if Moorhead left. And that was a part of the reason that Fields decommitted, according to his mom. So... I think it probably hurts more to know that they did all this work, and in the end, it doesn't even sound like it matters who or what Penn State would have hired or what they would have done right. once Moorhead decided to leave, because it seems like the family maybe felt that they needed to be somewhere where a really good offensive mind was, and Penn State's offensive mind was Moorhead, and they thought he was going to leave for a head coaching job, what he did. So I think that might be just as painful as everything else, and then, of course, the fact that you don't just lose the kid, and you lose him to Georgia at the time, which you can live with, because you're only going to see them in the college football playoffs. Then he transfers to Ohio State, it becomes even worse. Yeah, and uh, before we get to the halfway point of the Penn State Blitz here, I just have a funny feeling we're going to be talking about this again next year with Julian Fleming mm -hmm. as an Ohio State Buckeye, which all signs say he's not going to decommit. He's going to sign with the Buckeyes. So that's a Pennsylvania kid that Penn State absolutely thought they had a premier five-star talent that mm -hmm. went to Ohio State. You pair him with Justin Fields next year if he plays right away, and I think that's also going to be a tough pill for James Franklin and his staff to swallow. Before we get to Pat Fryermuth, though, Greg, I believe you have some things you want to uh, say. Let's run it off. It's the Penn State Blitz podcast. You can get it every Wednesday if and only if, if. you subscribe early. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, you subscribe, you get it early. You can find us on uh, the videos. If you're still watching the videos, youtube.com slash State. We'll have coverage from Columbus, including yes. you and Bob, or you and Dave, rather, after the Ooh. game. Dave Jones back at his home state. That's right. Look Penn out. State fans love it when oh, that yeah. happens. It, it never comes up. So, yeah, like, rate, subscribe, leave us some feedback. And uh, you can always find the podcast and the videos on Penn Live each Thursday as well. So, yeah, let's keep moving. We're going to roll on. Let's talk about Pat Fryermuth. Before we get to the real interesting news, 
I also find this a little bit fascinating. The John Mackey Award goes to the top <laughs> yeah. tight end in the country. Pat Fryermuth, I believe, has seven touchdown receptions, mm-hmm. had a three-touchdown game against Michigan State. Everyone knew about him at the start of the year because he played as a true freshman and played very well for Penn State. They cut their list to eight tight ends. One tight end from the Big Ten made it. I think Purdue's Bryson Hopkins, I think that's his name. No Pat Fryermuth. How in the world is this possible? I don't really know. I mean, I think you vote for some awards. I vote for the Blitnikoff Award, yeah. which is for the top receiver in the country. Yeah. Big shot. I don't know about all that. But so the ways, and I'm not sure how the Mackey Award works or the Burlesworth Trophy, which Jan right. Johnson was left Walk off on, of, or the, the Ray cut. Guy Award, which Blake Gilligan was left. And look, I think we're up. Obviously, if when these votes come down to the media, a lot of the times you are in so invested in the team that you cover or the team that you see. Yeah. And maybe the team that you're seeing that week that you sometimes forget about what else is out there. But, you know, to not have Pat Fryer, I thought James Franklin put it perfectly. If you would say one guy might be better than him, three guys might be better than him, I I could probably – I don't know if I'd agree with it, but I could understand it. But to say there's eight tight ends better than that guy, uh, it just doesn't – there's no rational or logical explanation besides that people that vote on that just screwed up and missed out. Well, this guy right here has an all-Big Ten vote, and I can tell you I will not be forgetting about Pat Fryer. There you go. That's my promise to you, Penn State fans. Um, the bigger news, though, there is actually bigger news. Mm-hmm. So, and you can talk a little bit about this because you covered Pat Fryer's recruitment yeah. very thoroughly. He is a second-year player. In most cases, you need to have three years of college football before you can become draft eligible. In this mm-hmm. case, we're talking about the 2020 NFL draft. Pat is a second-year sophomore, did not have a redshirt year at Penn State. But here's the catch. Because of what he did during his prep days, he is actually draft eligible for the 2020 NFL draft if he so chooses to leave Penn State early. That is our understanding, and that's also Pat Fryermuth's understanding. Right. Greg, can you talk about what happened during his Massachusetts prep days yeah. that leaves him eligible? Right. So he reclassified from one recruit, 17 recruiting class to the 18 recruiting class, Took did a year of prep school. So he's been removed from high school for three years. So. I thought Dane Brugger from The Athletic broke it down pretty well. He's going to have to explain the situation to the NFL. Most guys, when they petition for early entry, they just got to say, hey, I'm a junior or I'm a redshirt sophomore. I've been here three years. It's very cut and dry. This one's not cut as cut and dry, but the math still adds up. So I think he'll be eligible if he so chooses to be. He's not going to talk about this, obviously, until... Not even thinking about it right, right. now. He was asked and, about it yesterday. Yeah, well, and Saquon Barkley didn't either. Right. So, you know, I, I respect the, the canned response day later, he's with point. Jay-Z. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a very interesting thing for Pat Fryermuth to consider yeah. because he's very advanced for a second-year college player. But you do wonder what one more year would do for him. So uh, I guess I'll just say this. There's a reason that... Penn State has been so hot and heavy on the pursuit of Canadian four-star tight end Theo Johnson in the class of 2020. Right. He was supposed to decide this past Monday. He's now pushed that back into December. Is that good news, bad news for the Lions? There seems to be a mixed opinion of that out there. But either way, uh, there's a reason they're trying to get him locked up. Because if Fryermuth leaves, or even if he doesn't, you're still looking at a pretty thin tight end depth chart as soon as 2021, if not as soon as 2020. Tight end's one of the more physical positions, I think, in college football. You just look at what happened to Pat this year. I think he had a head issue coming out of one game. A couple of plays, he took some shots on the knee, and I was wondering maybe if he wouldn't get up. Remember what happened with Michigan and Jake Jake Butt, who was an older player? He played in the bowl game towards ACL. It's always a concern. Just be fascinating. Once the season's over, 
and he starts to gather information and he, he becomes 100% eligible for the draft if he at least asks the NFL advisory board for an evaluation. I think it's legit for him to consider leaving just because he's he looks physically like right. he can play already at the next level. He's almost 260 pounds. We may be getting ahead of ourselves, but that's what we do. That's what we do in this day and age. Right. And we wanted to let the Penn State fans know about this. It's a very real possibility. Another very real possibility on this Penn State <laughs> Blitz podcast and video is the Penn State mailbag. So we're in, we're in quarter number four, and I'm going to count on you to bring us home. Agree or disagree? Chase Young's a future top 10 NFL draft pick. Agree. I would say top three. And That's not the question. I'll get to the question. Okay. Justin Fields, okay. future top what 10. What is this, a syllogism? All right, yes, he is. <laughs> uh, uh, Justin Fields, future top 10 NFL draft pick. Yes. Okay, so Ohio State's two most impactful players are both future NFL draft picks, <laughs> probably top 10 draft picks. Who needs to play more like a top 10 draft pick on Saturday for Penn State to have a best chance to win? Is it Etor Grossmatos or is it Sean Clifford? I would say Sean Clifford okay. just just because – this, this, to me, feels like a game where you're going to need to score a lot of points to keep up with Ohio State. Ohio State's going to get theirs. James Franklin all but said it as at the yeah. Tuesday news conference. Indiana had put 27 up at Beaver Stadium. Michigan put 21 up at Beaver Stadium, and they made some mistakes or they could have had some more points. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Two years ago, a very good Penn State team lost at Ohio State with 38, and mm-hmm. that wasn't enough. I don't see any way Penn State can win this game if they're not in the mid-30s. I just don't see it. Yeah. You, look at, you look at how Ohio State's constructed. I don't see any real weaknesses on their offense. They have a very good offensive line. They have tremendous skill talent. And the RPOs with, with, uh, with Fields, he's got 10 rushing touchdowns. Greg, he's only thrown one interception. Now, right. you can argue that they haven't played a lot of guys. I mean, usually there's a tip ball or something. But, right. but to throw that many – passes and only one interception that means there's guys running wide open right the running game they got two really good runners along with fields for me it's Clifford only because the only scenario I can see is if Penn State gets into the into the 30s to win the game is James Franklin routinely he's brought it up now at least twice this week and it could be at least three or four by the time we actually get the game day (laughs) he's bringing up this point that Ohio State's going to get theirs and Penn State has to counter punch and make it like a heavyweight fight is he setting it up for you know Penn State is kind of softening the blow a little bit, or is his message to the team more about if we don't respond well to Ohio State's big plays, we have no chance? I think he looks at the game and he knows there's some matchups that are heavily in Ohio State's favor. I think the Ohio State passing game, even though they haven't really needed it because they've run the ball so well, Mm -hmm. if they want to do some things either off of play action or an RPO, I think Penn State's secondary has not held up well the last two weeks against less talented offensive attacks. So I think he's kind of prepping them for adversity because he knows there's going to be some and he does not want them to get discouraged if they're down if they're down, you know, 21-7 midway through the second quarter, you know, he's already talked to them about, "Hey, we've been with this team. We've had double-digit leads. We played with him to the very end the last two years. We won 3 years ago. It's going to be one of those games. They came back against us, you know. They didn't get discouraged. We can't get discouraged easy. We can't get discouraged either." So I think that he's trying to build that mindset because I think there is a very real possibility that Penn State could find itself down double digits in the first half. You know, they were able to overcome a lot of adversity at Minnesota. They actually had a chance to win the game. I think they were down 11 mm-hmm. at halftime. Yep. It was a struggle. They lost a turnover battle. And at the end of the game, they overcame some adversity. They had a chance to win the game. I think he's, he's trying to set that scenario up for Penn State again on the road in a tougher environment 
against a much tougher team. Final question. It's more likely for Justin Shorter to have over three and a half receptions. In this game. Yep. Or Noah Kane to have over 17 carries. Which is more likely? Boy, I mean, I expected Noah Kane to play last week, Greg. Yeah, after, we expected after him to play Minnesota too, yeah. But reading between the lines, it sounds like he did, was not able to practice. Mm-hmm. And as a freshman, James didn't want to, was not going to cut him enough slack with the other freshmen who he's trying to keep happy and the other younger players practicing. If he's not going to play now, he's never going to play. I mean, you know, right. we, we can't save him for Rutgers. Like, what's the point? How if dare you plays, talk about the Scarlet Knights If like he that. plays... If he plays, I'm going to go under 17 carries, but double-digit carries. How's that? And what about shorter? Three uh, and a half catches? No chance. Okay, there you have it. We will be back on the Penn Live Penn State Blitz podcast with picks and predictions. Or if you're watching the video, we'll do video number two. That's at youtube.com slash all Penn State. Nice catch. Welcome back to the Penn State Blitz podcast. I'm talking here with Greg Pickle, recruiting writer extraordinaire, better extraordinaire. He had a very nice, interesting story. Maybe he'll share it with you from Sunday. I don't know if he will. I'm fascinated by it. But, Greg, I'm Bob Flounders, by the way. It's time to make our picks here for Penn State, Ohio State. As we talk about it, let's just say we're going to have Penn State as an 18-point underdog. It could fluctuate between now and Saturday. The total is right around 57. Mm-hmm. 57 and a half. Let's talk about your pick and maybe how you see the game playing out. Yeah, so I tried to get to a point where I could make a long enough list of ways Penn State could win this game. Pro-con. Yeah, and it just really struggled to get there. Between the secondary's recent play, the lack of an option outside of K.J. Hamler and Pat Fryermuth on offense. If Hamler plays. If Hamler plays. Yeah, there's just too many pointing against the Lions this year. I know... The easy response to that would be, well, you guys predicted a blowout the last two years, and it was close. You picked them to lose in 2016, and they won. But this game, uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier in the both the video and the podcast, that the way the schedule set up this year kind of has zapped Penn State a little bit, while Ohio State has been cruising along. I know you can look at it and say, well, they haven't been tested for four quarters, and if Penn State can put them in some adverse situations, we don't know how they're going to respond. That's fair. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if Penn State has the weapons this year to get it done. I have Ohio State 40, Penn State 24. I do see a cover in an Indy Lions future. I do think it might end up, when you watch it, it might look a little bit closer than 40 to 24. But if Indiana did what it did to Penn State's defense, what's Ohio State going to do? And the Lions just haven't shown enough, uh, you know, with that, again, with that third receiver to say, to think that they can go into a hostile environment and continue to put up points, especially if KJ Hamler and maybe Noah Kane aren't 100%. Okay, for this, for the sake of this, I'm going to assume that both Noah and KJ are cleared to play. Okay. And they are pretty close to 100%. Now, I'm just going to be honest. If, if for some reason KJ Hamler doesn't play, I mean, he had a big game against Ohio State last year with yeah. a 93 yard catch and run score. If he doesn't play, it's really, I think, fairly dire for Penn State. He's their top playmaker. He's a guy that even Ohio Ohio State's secondary, which is very good, could struggle to, to kind of cover. Mm-hmm. He's that talented of a player. Without him, I mean, you just kind of gang up on Fryermuth and you put occasionally you put an eighth guy in the box. Take your best shot. So let's I'm gonna assume they play. You know, the fact that it's in Columbus, I the one thing the one thing that Penn State does have in its favor is they have at least shown against some pretty good teams the ability to have a four-minute offense, and that's something they didn't have the first couple of years right. with Franklin. And that's if you do have a lead, you can protect it, you can milk the clock, you can get a first down or two. They did it against Iowa at Iowa, 
They did it against Michigan, and actually it was Hamler who got the first down. I think that's important. They went on a nine-minute drive to really seal the deal against Indiana as well. They're comfortable, I think, if they have to do that. Now, can they do it against the Ohio State defense is another story, and will they be in a position where they can kind of salt it away is also a story. I don't necessarily agree that the talent is even. What Ryan Day from Ohio State said, he thinks like it's an equal field. I think with Chase Young back, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think if Penn State fans are being honest, I think they're a little short on the talent side. You talked about the fact that a couple of players like Justin Shorter just have not developed this year. I see some tackling issues for Penn State in the secondary. The fact that the pass defense has not been good the last two weeks is a very troubling sign. I'm just wondering maybe if they're just struggling a little bit physically after kind of running the gauntlet. I mean, I give them a lot of credit for getting you know, Greg, to 9-1 and one with this schedule. I really do. Yeah. I do mean that. But I just they just don't look quite as quick to me. And I don't mean that. I just mean that I think it's only natural what they've went through physically. Yeah. That they might be lacking a little bit. I'm going to say 37-17 Ohio State. I do think that if this team would play 10 times, these two teams play 10 times on a neutral field, and, you know, all things are equal, I could make a case for maybe Penn State winning one or two. I just can't see it at Ohio State. Ohio State took their best shot against a really good Ohio State team, uh, a Penn State team last, yeah. two years ago, mm-hmm. and Penn State couldn't hold a 15 point lead in the fourth quarter. I just think that this team, Ohio State team, is pretty good. James Franklin referenced it. It might be the best Ohio State team, talent wise, that he's seen. Yep. And the 2014 Ohio State team won it all. 37 17 for me, Ohio State, and you like it 40 24. Bold predictions? I, I don't know. This is a pretty long Penn State blitz. I don't know that I have a bold prediction for this game. I just think that. I think this one, I think the matchups are what they are, and I just think Penn State's a little short. Will Levis comes in for the Wildcat. Yes. Throws it backwards to Sean Clifford, who launches it downfield. There you go. Let's see if we How see long that. did you spend on that bolt prediction? Oh, you I just thought of it while no, you were talking. No, no, no. Yeah. They All had right. to set it up I'll for something. You what, Let's get out of here. I'll tell you what. Yeah. If, you, if you nail this one, you're king of the world. We'll see about that. That's it for this week. 